right? Uh, the bulletin has a song in it that we didn't really sing, but it's not my fault. Um, the passage that the bulletin says we're going to, that I'm going to preach on this morning is Titus 3, I think, 1 through 8, but that's wrong. It's not my fault, though. Now, um, we tend to do that really easily, don't we? We tend to make excuses. We tend to shift the blame. It's not my fault. Now, I don't really mean this. It was my fault with the bulletin, right? But that's my tendency automatically to say, no, 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 no. It wasn't my fault. I didn't mean to do that. Sorry, you know, but I, I, I wouldn't have been late if this jerk wouldn't have been so slow in front of me you know, he's going the speed limit for crying out loud, and he doesn't know that I have to get to where I'm supposed to be. But it, he, it's his fault. It wasn't my fault. You know, I never would have said that if, if you wouldn't have been so unkind to me. You just have to give me a break. You know, I've had a rough week. What do you expect? I'm only human. Yeah, I know that my temper... You know, I know I kind of fly off the handle sometimes. Sometimes I lose my temper. But you just make me crazy when you act that way. Listen, you know, when you get the log out of your eye, then feel free to talk to me about my speck. It's not my fault. I wonder how many of us have said those kinds of things this week. I wonder how many of us have said things like that this morning. I wonder... How many of us are blame shifters? Are you constantly making excuses for yourself? Now, maybe you don't tend to openly make excuses for yourself, but let me ask you this. Are you constantly struggling to keep up your own reputation? Unwilling to be known as a failure in any sense of the word. Are you struggling to keep up your appearance? Struggling to produce an image? Is it impossible for you to admit that you're ever wrong, that you're ever ignorant, that you've ever blown it, that you've ever sinned, that you've ever done anything wrong. Always striving to appear better or smarter or wiser or funnier or holier or whatever than you really are. Is that you? How do you use your tongue? Are you a gossiper? What's the whole point behind gossiping? Building up your own reputation, your own righteousness by tearing someone else's down. Are you a boaster? Look, everybody. Look, everybody. Did you see what I did? Did you see my righteousness? Do you see my goodness? Do you see my skill? Do you see my intelligence here? Let me tell you all about it. Look at me, everybody. Is there anyone here this morning, whose relationships are never clouded by any of those things. If anyone would dare to raise their hands, I'd say, well, there you go. <laughs> right? Where do our blame shifting and excuse making and reputation building and image crafting and gossiping and boasting come from? Where does all of that st stuff come from? What does all of that tell us about ourselves? Is that just neutral? Does that just float out of the sky somewhere? Does that tell us something about ourselves? Think about this. When we do those things, we're saying, I am basically a good person. I don't need Jesus' righteousness. Or Jesus' righteousness isn't enough for me. I also have to have my own. In other words, on a practical day-to-day, moment-by-moment level, we are still trying to make ourselves righteous. 
That's the way we're hardwired as human beings who are fallen. Even we who are Christians, who are genuine Christians, often are living like this. We're struggling for our own righteousness and our own image and our own reputation. And that struggle for our own righteousness bubbles out into ugly things like blame shifting and excuse making and reputation building and boasting and gossiping. Is that the way you live? Is that the way you want to live? Well, what's the answer for us? The only way that we will ever be free from the struggle for our own righteousness is to understand what the Bible says about how sinners like us become right with God. To put it in theological terms, the only way we'll be free from the struggle for our own righteousness is to understand what the Bible teaches about justification by faith alone. If we really get a hold of that, if we really grasp hold, not just in theory, but really believe it, really taste it, the realities of our justification, then, then we will be free from this exhausting, draining, endless struggle for our own righteousness. And that's what I want to happen this morning. I want for all of us to give up the exhausting struggle for our own righteousness by coming face to face with the reality of justification by faith alone. Turn with me to Romans chapter 4. Romans 4, verses 1 through 8. Paul addresses this issue exactly where it hits us. Romans 4, verses 1 through 8. Follow along as I read it. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but trusts him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. How can you be free from the struggle for your own righteousness? You can be free from the struggle from, for your own righteousness by understanding four basic things about what the Bible teaches us about justification. And they're all here in this passage because... This is exactly what Paul is talking about here. He's talking about justification by faith alone. He brings up this idea of justification in verse 2. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. He brings up justification, but what does he put with it? He brings up right from the start this, this possibility of boasting. There's a relationship between misunderstanding justification and boasting. Or blame shifting, or excuse making, or reputation building, or gossiping, or image crafting. Fill in the blank. It's all the same thing. He says, if we are justified by our own works, then boasting certainly is perfectly appropriate. If justification is by works, go ahead and boast. But as soon as you realize that you are not justified by your own works, then boasting goes out the window, along with all that other garbage. So what is it about justification that frees you from the struggle for your own righteousness? Number one, 
You can be free from the struggle for your own righteousness because you are forgiven. Look at verses 7 and 8. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. One of the most basic truths about being justified by the grace of God is that it involves the complete forgiveness of all of your sins. We say we believe that, but do you really believe that? Paul quotes David's words from Psalm 32 here. He says, There is blessing for the one whose lawless deeds are forgiven. Blessing for the one whose sins are covered. Blessing for the one against whom the Lord will not count his sin. To be justified is to be forgiven. Not just of past sins. Not just of the stuff that you did before you became a Christian. To be justified is to be forgiven of your past sins and your present sins and your future sins as well. The Lord will not count your sins against you if you have been justified by faith. To be justified by God is to have all of your sins blotted out. It's what God says in Isaiah 43:25. He says, I, I am He who blots out your transgressions for My own sake, and I will not remember your sins. That's what it means. No wonder the prophet Micah overflows with these words. He says, Who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression, you will cast our sins into the depths of the sea. Brothers and sisters, that is what it means to be justified. It means to have all of your sins blotted out. It means to have all of your sins cast into the depths of the sea. Now, I know lots of you, personally, and I know a lot of your sins. And I know myself. And I know the things that I have done. And I know there are things that you have done that are, that are wicked and terrible things. But if God has justified you, He has totally wiped away every sin that you have ever committed. If you're a Christian, if you have come to Jesus Christ by faith, if you have turned your back on yourself, embraced Jesus Christ alone, you don't need to be weighed down with that guilt, that guilt and shame of that abortion in the past. It's real sin. It's real wickedness. It's serious. But if you're a Christian, it's forgiven. What is it that you're carrying around with you? What is it that you can't get past? What is it that you refuse to believe is forgivable by God? What is it that keeps you in a gray cloud all the time? That's the way we are often, isn't it? We're under this gray cloud, this crushing weight of the memories of your past sins, the realities of your present sins. You feel like God couldn't possibly like you. We feel like God is always frowning at us. 
We feel like we have to make up for it and we have to convince ourselves and our wives and our husbands and our bosses and our parents that we really are, aren't that bad after all. That we really are okay. Constant struggle. And so we try to prove ourselves to everyone. And life becomes this long, grueling attempt to cover our own sins by being good, trying harder, having an image, having a reputation that everyone else will respect, even God. And you know what that does to relationships. Twist them, it ruins them, it burdens them with your own agenda. The people in your world exist to make you feel better about yourself. All hell breaks loose if they don't jump through your hoops. Maybe you're a workaholic because you have to show that you can do it right. You're consumed with showing that you can pull this off. Maybe you become a Messiah who tries to make up for your own sins by saving everyone else and fixing everyone else. There are a hundred ways that our sense of guilt works its way out. But you see, the truth of justification changes all of that. Because... The Bible says that no matter what you have done, there is forgiveness in God. He wipes your sins away. They do not exist in His sight anymore. Whatever it is that hounds you, whatever it is you're running from, trying to cover up, trying to compensate, whatever it is, if God has justified you, then it is gone. Now, does that mean that your sin isn't real? Does that mean that that your wicked rebellion isn't dead serious? Is that what it means? Not at all. But it does mean that God's grace is real and is completely amazing. And it means that you can be free from the struggle for your own righteousness because you are forgiven. Now, if that were all there was to justification, it would be breathtaking, wouldn't it? I mean, if you could think, okay, my slate completely wiped clean, standing before God as if everything that I've done, I didn't do. If that is the only thing that justification did for us, is wipe away our sin, it would be mind-blowing. But brothers and sisters, it's better than that. It's not just forgiveness of sins. Not only can you be free from the struggle for your own righteousness because you're forgiven, number two, you can be free from the struggle for your own righteousness because you are already righteous in God's eyes. Not only did He wipe away your sins when He justified you, He also gave you the perfect, spotless, gleaming righteousness of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 3. Look at what he says. For what does the Scripture say? What does it say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as what? As righteousness. Not only is David an example of justification, Psalm 32, so is Abraham. Genesis 15.6, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. If you are justified, then you are already perfectly righteous in God's eyes. Do you really believe that? That's what it says, isn't it? When you were justified, God took the slate of your life and He wiped it perfectly clean. That's forgiveness. He wiped it clean. And not the kind of wiping clean of our blackboards, you know, that leaves that nice residue that you can really still see what was written there in the first place, you know, but it's, no, he wipes it clean. He did much more than that. He didn't just wipe away your sin and say, here, I've wiped away your slate. I've cleaned your slate. I've given you a clean slate. Now here, you take it back and you fill it up. 
You fill it up with your own works of righteousness and you keep your slate clean. And at the end of the day, if your slate is still clean, then maybe, maybe we can talk. No, it's much better than that. He didn't just give you a clean slate. He gave you a beautiful slate. The judge has not only forgiven you and wiped your slate clean, he has given you the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. He has erased the record of your sin and in its place He has put the righteousness of Christ. If you are justified, then God has taken your slate. He has erased every wicked thought you've ever had, every evil motive you've ever had, every lustful look, every proud thought, every harsh word, every notion of envy or greed or selfishness. He's wiped it all away. He's wiped away every rebellious act And in its place, in the place of all of that, He has written in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. What is the righteousness of Jesus Christ? Think of it. Every pure thought that He had, every godly motive that Jesus Christ was moved by, every loving look, every humble notion, every hatred of sin, every gentle word, every generous desire, every selfless act, every act of honoring and obedience to His Father. He has written it on your slate. And not only has He written that on your slate, He has painted it on and sealed it over and glazed it so that nothing in heaven or on earth can ever take it away. That is what it means to be justified. Paul says the same thing in in 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. That's what it means. Now do you see the implications of that? Think about this with me. If you're already counted as righteous in God's eyes, then why do you have to live under the constant struggle for your own righteousness? You can be free from the struggle for your own righteousness. You don't have to stand before everyone in your world as if you're on trial because you've already been on trial in Jesus Christ. And the verdict, the judge has already pronounced the verdict and the verdict is not guilty. That's the only verdict that matters. Now I know what some of you may be thinking at this point. You may be thinking, yeah, but I am guilty. This is what I think every morning when I wake up. Yeah, but I am guilty. I am still a sinner. I still struggle with lust and greed and envy. And I still lose my temper and yell at my kids. And I still exasperate my wife. And I still get angry in traffic. And I still want what's not mine. And I still love money or sex, or TV, or pleasure, or stuff, or popularity more than I love God. That's me. How can I really be righteous in God's eyes if I'm still so ungodly? Is that what you think? That really takes us to the third thing about justification that this text teaches us. Number three, you can be free from the struggle for your own righteousness because you don't have any righteousness. That's the whole point. Isn't it? Look at what it says. Look at verse 5. Romans 4, verse 5. And to the one who does not work, 
but trusts Him who justifies the... What? Justifies the what? The people who get it all together, right? The ungodly. So you say, this can't be true because I'm ungodly. Well, yeah. Isn't that what it says? Who does he justify? He justifies the ungodly. His faith is counted as righteousness. You see what it says? The whole point is that he justifies the ungodly. If we had any righteousness of our own in the first place, then why would we need to be justified by God? You don't have any righteousness in and of yourself. And neither do I. I'm ungodly. You're ungodly. That's the point. That's why we need to be justified. And as long as you keep trying to work up your own righteousness and and hold it up to God or to hold it up to yourself or hold it up to all the people around you, you may as well be chasing after the wind because you don't have any righteousness to hold up to them. You see, when God justifies sinners, He does not actually make them righteous in themselves. And here's where we miss it. Here's where we miss it. He doesn't make them righteous in themselves. He declares them to be righteous in His eyes and in the eyes of His law. When God justifies a sinner, He declares the verdict of not guilty. Justification is what happens to you when you're standing in the courtroom and you're waiting for the verdict and the judge of the universe brings down his gavel and declares once and for all, not guilty, case closed, next. It's a done deal. He declares the verdict, not guilty. Now the judge doesn't make you righteous on the inside when he declares the verdict. What he declares is that you are righteous before the law. He declares that all of the requirements of the law have been satisfied He declares that as far as the law is concerned, you are under no condemnation. In justification, God doesn't make you righteous in yourself. He declares you to be righteous. He declares that in the eyes of His law, you're innocent. It is a judgment passed on you. It's not a work done in you. Why is that so important? Is this nitpicking? Let me ask you a question. What, how would it be for you if you thought you were justified because you had done the right thing? This is so important because it's so easily and so, so often misunderstood. Any other understanding of justification makes you a legalist. If you don't think that justification is a one-time legal declaration of God, then your only hope for being accepted by God is your own effort and your own obedience and your own righteousness, and that is the essence of legalism. So many people think and live as if justification is a process by which God actually makes sinners righteous. There are whole churches built on that. The Roman Catholic Church is built on that notion. But it's not just them. We get it wrong too. 
Because if, if that's true, the only way for you to be right with God and to stand before God as righteous is for you to actually be righteous. So you can only hope and to be accepted on the, by God on the basis of Christ plus your own obedience. You can only be made acceptable to God and kept acceptable to God by what you do and what you don't do. And that is not what the Bible teaches about justification, but it's, it's the way that many of us act. We act as if that's true. Many of us who call ourselves evangelicals fall into that sort of thinking on a practical level. Maybe in theory we've got it right, but in practice we blow it. Let me, let me ask you a question. Here's a way that you can evaluate yourself to know if you really understand what this text says about justification. When you sin, I'm talking to Christians now, when you as a Christian sin, are you under the wrath of God? Now, I didn't say, is God your Father displeased with you and will He discipline you out of His love for you? What I said was, when you sin, are you under the wrath of God? Many of you will answer yes to that question. Think about this with me. How often do you sin? How often do you sin? Every now and then? Once a week? How often do you sin? That's right. If you don't think that you sin all the time, then you have a very shallow, very unbiblical, very naive view of sin. What is the best thing you've ever done? How good is the best thing you've ever done? Pretty good? Perfect? If you could get through a whole day and only break one of God's commandments, Where does that leave you? You've broken God's law. Now think about it. Do you really think, do you really think the Bible teaches that as a Christian you're under the wrath of God when you sin? If you're, if the Bible teaches that you're under the wrath of God when you sin as a Christian, then guess what? You're always under the wrath of God. Just forget it. Dig a hole. Bury yourself. Despair. Because there's no hope for you if you're always under the wrath of God. If you think of God's anger or God's pleasure in terms of justification, in terms of what you do, then God is not pleased with you at all, ever. Because nothing you do is perfectly righteous. If you believe that God is has wrath towards you when you sin, then you're no better off than that person who believes that justification is a result of your own works and that the only way for you to be right with God and to stand before God as righteous is for you to actually be righteous in everything you do. You're living as if you're accepted on the basis of Christ plus your own obedience. And that is not justification, brothers and sisters. That's legalism. It's wrong not what the Bible teaches. God says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? 
If you've been justified, then your right standing with Him is secured. It's a done deal. You have been accepted. There can never be any condemnation for you and nothing you do can ever change that. If you think there's anything you can do to change your standing before God, then you don't understand justification. It's what this truth of justification is all about. If you're justified, then you stand before God as an innocent man, as an innocent woman, as an innocent child. Have you sinned? You better believe you've sinned. You're ungodly, just like me. Do you still sin? Yes. Does God like it when you sin? Of course not. But your legal standing before God Almighty, the judge of the universe, the one whose verdicts can never be overturned, your legal standing before this God is justified. And so you can be free. You can be free from this endless struggle, fruitless, exhausting struggle for your own righteousness when you realize that in yourself you don't have any righteousness. You don't have any righteousness that could possibly stand up in God's court in the first place. The only righteousness that will ever stand before God is His righteousness. The declaration that in His eyes you are righteous. There's one last truth about justification that will free you from the struggle for your own righteousness. Number four. Truth number four. You can be free from the struggle for your own righteousness because justification comes by faith alone. Look at what he says in verses 3, 4, and 5. Romans 4, verse 3. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but trusts him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Do you see that? All of this freedom, all of this release from guilt, all of this forgiveness, all of this righteousness from Jesus Christ, all of this acceptance with God, all of this access to God, all of it, is for those who stop trying and start believing. It is the one for the one who has stopped working. It is for the one who does not work but trusts. As long as you're working, you're thinking, I'm working, I'm earning my wages, God is my employer, He owes me. It's not a gift, it's what I deserve. But this is for those, the one who does not work, but who trusts. You can be free from the struggle for your own righteousness. You can be free from that constant pressure to come off as good, to come off as clean, to come off as holy come off as righteous, to come off as smart, to come off as the one who's got it all together. You can be free from that. You can be open and honest about your sin. You can be honest with people when you're talking to them about Jesus Christ, not as a person up here who's perfectly spotless, stainless steel, sterile Christian, 
But as a person who knows you're a sinner, who knows you're just as bad off as they are, who loves them, you can freely admit your sin. Because you know that you're already righteous in God's eyes, you don't have to prove yourself. Because you know that your right standing with God doesn't depend on your works, you can humbly own up to your sin. But where does that lead you? It lets you love God. And it lets you love your neighbor. You're not trying to pay God off. You're loving Him and obeying Him. You're not trying to make the other people in the world boost up your self-confidence by telling you how great you are. You're not using, manipulating. You're able to love them. You can be free to obey God. Free living in this glorious freedom of the children of God. Now, what about you? Think about yourself. Are you still trying to establish your own righteousness? Think about all the little things you do and all the little things you say. Why? To show everyone how good you are? Or because you love God? Are you coming to the Lord Jesus Christ with this simple childlike trust. You know, my boys come to me all the time. Your children come to you all the time, don't they? They come to you with this, Papa, I can't get this knot untied. Would you help me? They're not coming off, you know, oh, you know, uh, I, can, I can do this. I can pull this off. They come with this childlike, simple trust. Would you please help me? I can't do this. Would you please help me? I don't have the ability. I don't have the wits. I don't have the goodness. I don't have the righteousness. Would you please help me? I can't do this. I can't pull this off. You must be righteous for me or I will die. Is that your attitude? It's the only way to be justified. And it's the only way for you to be free from this endless struggle for your own righteousness. Just relax. Give it up. And embrace Jesus Christ. It is open to you if you believe. It's open to all of you if you believe. Let's pray together and ask Him to help us.